Hey, we're going to continue. If you open up your Bibles, we're continuing where we left off in Hebrews chapter 11. We're just going to take verses 8 through 10. The, the, the faith, the subject is Abraham. We've taken a look so far with three characters. The fourth one will be Abraham today. I'm going to read to you the verses 8 through 10, and then we're going to just talk about this man and his life, Abraham, and a man of faith uh, that we find here. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you again for the opportunity and the time to be able to, to just Joe and Charlotte taking the time to dedicate uh, to Zoe to you for your purpose, for your glory, for your kingdom. And again, Lord, give them the strength. And as we learn here, all of us, and we learn your word today. Let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive. Lord, we can sit here and read, 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 read. But if we have no desire to allow your word by the power of your Holy Spirit to change our heart, Lord, it will not bear fruit. So I pray that there's no distraction today, Lord. There was no hindrance in our hearts and our ears to be able to hear what you have for us individually. Speak to each, every person's heart today, Lord. Do it in a, such a mighty way. There's no question in their mind, each person's mind, that they've come and they've spent time with you and they've heard your voice. And it would change people's lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Oh, there's so much in these verses. The writer of Hebrews is writing to believers... And this is post-flood, of course, prior to 70 A.D., who were struggling, these believers who were struggling, who came out of Judaism, came out of religiosity, following Jesus for their salvation, but now being pulled back in to leave this faith in Jesus alone and going back and mixing it up with religion to kind of help them feel like they're, they're doing it. Because remember, during this period of time, the temple's still there. The sacrifices are happening every day. The ceremonies and all the traditions are happening. The incense is coming, smoke is coming out of the temple. All of their friends and family and everything, they took a step of faith away from Judaism to follow Jesus, but not all their friends and family did. And so then they had the pulls and the struggles of trying to deal with this, this between, caught between. They were just so on fire for living for Jesus because they put their faith in him and him alone for their salvation. But then the world gets mixed into it. Then family members get mixed into this. 
and all these friends and families and coworkers, and now they're being ostracized, separated, not invited, completely seems to be lonely in this new walk with Jesus. Oh, you can get so excited about when you get saved because you went from darkness to light. The light switch flipped on and you no longer want anything to do to live for self. You just want to live for Jesus. But over a period of time, it can get really wearing on people if you don't continue to walk with Jesus closely. If you don't stay in the word of God, you don't keep talking to him about everything that you're dealing with. If you don't stay around good, solid, godly men and women who are also in the word of God, you will have a tendency, the world will start creeping in on you. You will start feeling like you're missing out because all of your friends and buddies and, and, and relatives and all these people are out having just a grand time of worldliness. And the flesh rises up. Selfishness rises back up. And that's what the writer's dealing with here throughout the first 10 chapters. And here in chapter 11, he's saying, I want to give you some great examples of men and women who lived by faith. We saw it. Chapter 11, verse 1, right? The definition of faith. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, and evidence of things not seen. Remember? By this faith, Abel worshipped God, understood God's expectations of him, and the blood sacrifice of an innocent sacrifice, he was to do that, where his brother did not, and he died for that faith by the hands of his own brother. We saw by this faith, Enoch walked with God during a culture, against a culture that was absolutely against him. But he walked by faith and God took him, snatched him out. A good example for you and I of what it's going to be like when we rapture out of here. He never died. We saw by this faith that Noah served God for 120 years doing a calling on his life to build the ark and all he had was very little fruit at the end. Only eight souls were saved and were on, were on that ark. But he was faithful. And he never even understood and knew what rain was and what this... this infrastructure you would call we call the ark he had no idea what that was even used for but he was faithful obedient and that's what we will see today in the life of Abraham we're going to see by the same faith Abraham demonstrated an obedient faith he had what is very important for you and I to understand he had a relationship with the living God We'll find that he's 75 years of age when he comes onto the scene. When God Almighty reveals himself to, to Abraham in Ur of Chaldees. And he sits there and how that happens, we don't know how God revealed so clearly to him. God in there, but at 75, you have, it's lucky he didn't have a heart attack. You know what I'm saying? If you were in your bedroom and God showed up to you and revealed himself to you, 
it will shake your tree. Aside from Moses, no Old Testament character is mentioned more in the New Testament than Abraham. In the Bible, in the totality, is, there's 263 verses where Abram, which was his original name, then changed by God to Abraham. 273 verses are noted, or 263 verses are noted in the scriptures. James refers to Abraham as God's friend. Those who are making notes, I'll give you the three verses where he is referred to as God's friend. And do you know, no, any other character in the entire Bible is referred to as God's friend. The, the first one is 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7. The second one is Isaiah 41, 8. And of course, in the New Testament, James 2, 23. All three of those reference the fact that Abraham was God's friend. Now, some of you, well, I'm God's friend. Yes, we, we, we see that in Galatians 3, 7. Believers in all generations are called the children of Abraham. And Abraham's importance and impact in the redemptive history are clearly seen in the scripture. To Jesus calls us friends. But only God calls Abraham God's friend. What a relationship. Incredible relationship. The life of Abraham takes up a good portion of Genesis. That's where we find his life played out here in the narrative. But the first mention is in Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. And it's all the way through until his death in Genesis 25, verse 8. I recommend you go back and read those chapters. If you're on the seven-day plan to read the Bible in one year, you, of course you will. On Mondays, you will read through Genesis. It's only a matter of time. But note those, those, that scripture of Abraham's life from chapter 11, 26 to 25, 8. Now it's interesting, as you read these, you know about his life as an adult, but you know little about his birth and his early life. And yes, parents raising him up have impact on your children's life. That's why we're talking about the baby dedication. Their, Joe and Charlotte, any parent has tremendous impact on their children. In Genesis chapter 11 verse 28 records that Abraham's father was Terah. They lived in Ur or the Ur Ur of the Chaldeans. Or referred to in Acts 7 4 as the, just the land of the Chaldeans. And it was a very influential City, And I say city because it was a city. It was in the southern Mesopotamia area situated between the Euphrates River and halfway between the top of the Persian Gulf and Baghdad. It sits right in that area is where Ur is. We see the fact that in this area, we learn that Terah, his father, took his family and set off to the land of the uh, Canaan, which is the land of promise, which we refer to as Israel today. He's going west, young man, going west. 
And instead of settling in the city of Haran, north of Mesopotamia, that's where he ended up deciding to stop and not go to the promised land. He was caught into this trade route and this ancient Babylonian area halfway between Nineveh and Damascus. The father decides to stop there versus going all the way to the promised land. That was a very important decision, but not a good decision on his father's part to only go halfway. Terah, the father, is now about 130 years old at his birth for Abram. Although not the firstborn in the family, you'll notice as you study the scriptures in Genesis 11, verse 26, mentions all three of his sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. But you know in the scriptures that Abram was not the oldest, but he was the very first name noted. Why? Because in the scriptures, the first name noted is a prominence or the one who's going to receive the blessings. And we clearly know in the scripture that Abram receives the blessings, not his two older brothers. We see that in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So Abram lived in Ur for a total of 70 years. Then he left it and accompanied his father and the entire family in the city of Haran, and his older brother Haran, which is the father of Lot, died in Ur sometime before the migration took place that God called him to do it. People always say, well, why did Abram take Lot with him when he wasn't supposed to? Well, because I can see now, when I study the scriptures, he lost his dad. He's kind of lost and kind of probably joined up with Abram as kind of a father figure or kind of a close older brother. And that's why he wanted to go with Abram. And Terah lived in Haran for five years when he got there. He ended up dying at age 205. And that's where Abram's story kind of turns in and it gets very interesting. And it starts in Genesis chapter 12. And the first three verses, we, he has a call of Abraham by God. We see this in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed what? What did he obey? He obeyed a calling on his life by God. What was that calling? Here it says he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. That was a call. When God puts a call on a believer's life, when you get saved, he puts a calling on your life. Some people think it's just a one thing call. But a call is a lifetime calling and he reveals and plays out that calling in your life over the span of your life. Some people say, like, oh, what's my calling, Lord? Like it's a one-time deal. I've got it. I figured it out. I got it in my little box. And then this is what I do the rest of my life. No, no, no. It's a journey. A journey lived by faith and not by sight. You get this calling, this purpose that God has for you. And sometimes it's very specific. And it's for a period of season in your life before he changes and adds to that calling. But the main calling is obedience by faith in doing what God has called you to do. That is what it is. 
Many get wrapped up in these specifics. Like, what is specifically my calling? And they don't do anything for God because they're waiting for some specific thing. No, no, no. Just be obedient faithfully in the small things first. And then in the calling, he adds to that calling over a period of time as long as Whatever that distance between your birthday and death day, that little dash in between, that, that is a life of obedience, whatever that is. Regardless of how you feel. Because you're a believer, just sold out for God. Whatever you want me to do, God. Because here we're going to see in this man of faith was obedient to God and he went out, we see in verse 8, not knowing where he was going. How many people can't even make a decision without having to know details before they're willing to do anything for God? Because they live by sight, not by faith. Oh Lord, I know you're calling me to go into the ministry. I just know it. And I know you're calling me to Hawaii because everyone knows the calling is to Hawaii. Especially wintertime. Why is it everyone's called to start a church in Hawaii? You won't believe how many of my friends, when the Lord showed us to come from California to, to northern New York, they thought I had gone lost my mind. But God showed me clearly as can be, you're going to start a new work. And he specifically, by his grace, showed me it was going to be in Watertown, New York. In the most simplest of ways. And after I said, oh no, that can't be, that can't be, that can't be right. I mean, we're not going to leave California. And then he had a sense of humor. He says, matter of fact, Corey, how obedient are you going to be to me and take a step of faith? Matter of fact, I'm actually going to send you to New Jersey, the place you said you would never go. And guess what? He did. He sent us to a place we said we would never go. And after a couple of weeks of wrestling, God wins. And he says, I know you don't feel like going to New Jersey. But I have a purpose and a plan for that. And once we got there, it was so clear to me why. But I had to still take the step of faith first and go. And then he revealed why. He doesn't always reveal to you why before he tells you to go. Are you with me? A little bit of a hush across here. Is that heavy this morning? Knowing that he, we need to be prepared to come up here to start the work because we were not ready, even though in our minds we thought we were ready to start a new work up here. He knew we weren't ready. He knew we had people that we needed to reach with the gospel. And many were saved in New Jersey. Many had to be encouraged in their faith down there that God used us. We had work to do there for the kingdom before we came up here and started the new work. 
And so we see here that this man, Abraham, had this faith that he needed to go to this place he'd never been. It was going to be an inheritance. It was going to be for his and his lineage for generation upon generation upon generation. And he was going to go there and not know where he was going. And then by faith, verse 9 says, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise. As in a foreign country. It was foreign to him. It was not what he grew up with. He didn't know what the culture was like. The foods, the place, the atmosphere, the temperature, the, the seasons. All of that was new. But that didn't, cause, that didn't matter because he didn't say in verse 8, Abraham went by faith and obeyed God after God answered all of his 20 questions before he said yes. Oh, you want us to go? Well, God, I have a few questions for you. What's the temperature like there? Do they get a lot of snow? Do they have beaches? Do they have a certain restaurants and food there? What's the, what's the culture and the, the nightlife there? And when you start acting, asking these things, you're not doing it by faith. You're doing it by sight. Abraham didn't ask any of those questions. Nowhere in the scriptures do we see that. It clearly says that in the in Greek language, in the text, it says that he went immediately without question. There was no debate. There was no hesitation. When you go from as Abraham was, or Abram at the time, worship more than likely the moon god. They were a pagan city in Ur. It was just a plethora of gods that they worshipped. He had idols. He's an idol worshiper. That was the culture. That's who he was. And then God Almighty, the one and only God, reveals himself to this man, Abram, and changed his life. And if you truly had a changed life with the encounter of God Almighty, you won't let everything of the world that you had a hold of will let go. You will let it go. You can't pick it back up. Because you know you never want to go back to the old life. The light got turned on and you went from darkness to light and you see things you never saw before. If you're a born-again believer too, you know exactly what I'm saying. If this is Greek to you and you don't know what I'm saying, you need to get on your knees and ask God to reveal himself to you because you need to be broken and surrender all. So there is no question in your mind. You'll never go back to the old life. It's all about living for God in the, in the new life. That was Abram. That was Abraham. We see this in the story as soon as this event God reveals to Abram in there in Genesis chapter 12. He is about, he's now 75 years old and he's going to leave Haran and take his family and the entire tribe all to the land of Canaan, the land of promise that God promised him he would have. God then makes a startling promise to Abraham at that point. God says that he will bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Genesis 12, 3. Woo! 
What a promise that is. God Almighty says to Abram directly, I will bless those who bless you, who are for you, who encourage you, come and is there to protect you and, and help you. But I'm also going to curse those who come against you. We see it played out. We have history. Any world nation who's gone against the, Israel is now almost a third world country. They have no power like they used to have. Ask England. Ask all the surrounding countries who've turned their back on Israel. They are now cursed. Why? Because the Bible said so. And it will happen. Any nation that turns against Israel, the scripture says God will curse them. Hello? It's true. God's plan for man through this single man called Abram was so important that God personally promised to treat anyone the same way they treated Abram and his descendants. God gives Abraham three promises for him to hold on to. The first one is that the promise of the land will be his. An inheritance. The second is the promise to be made into a great nation. Why was that significant? Because at that point in time in his life, his wife Sarai, now Sarah, was without children. They haven't been able to have a child. Completely against the culture of that time. If a woman did not have a child, it was looked upon very downwardly, very negatively upon this woman. But God turns around and tells Abraham, your wife is going to have a child. Now we're going to save that for next week on the talk about the faith of Sarah. And the third promise that God gave him was that the promise of blessing. And these promises form the basis of what we will later be called the Abrahamic covenant that was established in Genesis 15 and confirmed again with him in Genesis 17. What really makes Abraham special is the fact that he has an obedient faith. He has an immediate, obedient faith. Now, you know the story of Abraham. He was a, a man filled with sin. He came from a very sinful, adulterous, worshiping of idols and just filth. And then God changed him. God changed him. God then started using him and blessing him in following God and doing and being God's will. That's important for us because many times people, us, you, me, live in sin and just in darkness for so many years. And then all of a sudden God transforms you, regenerates you. You have a born again experience and now you're a new man. You're a new woman. You're no longer that person in the past. God tells Abraham, get up, you got to go. 
Yes, your family is a tight family unit. You're following your father and your brothers. And you, yeah, you know that, that culture. You know that land. But I'm calling you to go do something for me. You're not the old person. You're no longer that sinful person living in idolatry. God changed you. And many times God sometimes will move you on out of the area you live because everyone who knows you only knows you as the partier. Only knows you of the, of the person who is, is, is an adulteress and who's living in this dark, wicked world. That's all they know of you. And you're sitting there going, no, God changed me. God is moving me on. It doesn't mean he's going to move you physically, but I no longer, even though I live in the area, I no longer can go to the parties. I no longer can hang out with you who are sitting there doing drugs and drunkenness and all these other things. That is not who I am. It doesn't please God. Oh yeah, we'll see if you really changed. Oh yes, and, and condemnation comes in all forms, not only from Satan, but also the most closest of people will try to condemn you of your past. And Abraham would experience this as well. A people coming against him. The world coming against him. For what he used to be and not what he is today. But that didn't, that didn't move Abraham one bit. He was obediently faithful to his creator, his God. The world will not, family will not, the most closest of friends or of people in your family will not move him from doing what God's called him to do. And so we see these promises, and he's given those promises. In Genesis 15, God continues promises of, of Abraham with his, uh, his wife Sarai will no longer be barren and will bear a child to him Several years later, after that promise, it wasn't immediate, but several years later, we see when he is 99 years old, God again appears to him promising that he will soon have a son. His son will be named Isaac. And that he will be the father of countless descendants from that point on. And it is at this time that God renames Abram to Abraham, which means father of a great multitude. And he changes Sarai's name to Sarah, which means princess of the multitude. And you know the story. We'll talk about it next week with Sarah, how she reacted to this news. But Isaac is born when he is 100 years old and Sarah is 91 Isaac was 60 years old when Jacob was born. Can you imagine having a child and 60 years later having another one? Hello? <laughs> I know, that would test your faith, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let alone having a child at 91, huh, ladies? See, the author of Hebrews uses Abraham as an example of obedient faith that God is calling us to have as well. He was committed to do what God wanted to do regardless of how he felt. 
He was, as several times refers to this, this impressive act by faith God, Abraham does, calls it to a place where he would receive this inheritance and it obeyed and he went. And we see that God just did fulfilled exactly what God said he would do from the promises of his word. We don't know what his religion really was for Abraham. We just knew, know that he was surrounded by a pagan pantheon culture that served and worshipped idols. Worldliness to the nth degree. They fed on their flesh. It was all about their flesh. It's all about fulfilling the flesh. That's where he grew up. But none of that mattered anymore. His life was changed. He now gets to move forward with God and go and do whatever God's called him to do. To live an obedient, faithful life to God. And it's by faith we see here that he dwelt in the land of promise and is in a foreign country. He was in a country that God called him to, the promised land, but it was a foreigner in a land that he was not familiar with. We see in the scripture that they dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the joint heirs. It was literally a joint heirs. What was that jointness? This is the only place in scripture where you see two people saying of a joint heirship. And that right here is Isaac and Jacob. And the joint heirs was what? With the same promise of what God gave their father Abraham. In verse 10, for he waited for the city. What city is that? The heavenly city. He had a view of what was ahead of them. He was given insight from God of a place that God was preparing for those of faith. The city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. In the Greek, the word builder actually means architect. And the Greek word for maker is actually builder. So make that note in your Bible if you like. So he's saying to Abraham, I am going to be the architect of this great city. It's going to be such a solid foundations that I'm not only going to be the architect, but I'm going to be the builder of that city. Not only will you be a city on a hill that will be light for this fallen world, but it's a more promising of a heavenly city. You need to look up and keep your eyes on where you're going to be going. That is amazing faith of obedience. This man had nothing to Google. He had nothing of people to tell him what it was going to be like. He had no idea what was going to happen with him and his wife who had no children and it seemed like everything has changed and everything's falling apart. We're leaving this country. Everything seemed to doom and gloom. But Abraham had an obedient faith in God. And all he knew is that the God who saved him, the God who created, will bring him through the next step of his life. 
Sarah was the same way. She was in desperation. You can see the impact in the scriptures, the, dis, the impact it had on this couple who had no children, that things were not the way they thought they would be. Everyone else would have children, and look at everyone looking down upon me and all these things that can make you squirrely in your head. But God says, no, 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 no. I am in control of your life as a believer. I know what I'm doing here. Trust me, obedient faith. Just keep taking the steps without how, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what the culture tells you. Let's move forward and do it my way and you'll be blessed. You'll have stability in your life. I will fulfill every need you have. But you must surrender your life to me. There is no other way, my brothers and sisters. There is no other way to live. A simple, content life. The scripture says, you live a simple, content life, it's great gain. But you're chasing the flesh. You're chasing things of this world and your selfishness and all these other things. You're miserable this day. Oh, I know. We can all put a really good smile on our face to make it look really good. But you know deep down within you're suffering. And I want to encourage you today, my brothers and sisters. Just like Abram, who became Abraham because it was a changed life. You have a decision. You can be a resident alien where you are today. You're a resident, all the blessings, all the benefits of living as a resident in this place. But Abraham was not. Abraham was a sojourner in the promised land. He was a pilgrim, a sojourner. He was just passing through because he understood from God Almighty that this was only temporary. Heaven was his home. And so when you sit there, the way we talk, the way we dress, the way the mannerisms, the entertainment, and, the, and the how you live with your friends that are living in the world and the carnality and the way we speak and all these things tells you how you're living. Are you trying to make this world your home? You have to remember, Abraham was one of the wealthiest men of its time. He had more gold and silver than the scripture tells of coming out of Egypt. And had more flocks than it can be. He was, God was blessing and prospering this man to degree. But not once did he say, I'm going to build a castle for me and my family. Not once did he say, I'm going to create these huge mansions in the promised land for my, my family. The scripture tells us that he and his family dwelt in tents. He understood this was all just temporary. He was going to go to a heavenly city, a heavenly place, a city, foundations where God was the architect and the builder of his permanent place. That's why we're told in the scripture to keep a light touch of the things of this world. Because it's not our home. If you were with us on New Year's Eve, we talked about looking up. In Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 tells us, 
We must every day keep focused on looking up and understanding that soon and very soon our Savior is coming back for us. Amen? Because if we don't, this world can grip you. This world can cause your faith to not be obedient to what God's calling you to do. This man, Abraham, had this obedient faith and we see it played out when we get to Isaac in Genesis 22 and how he had to take steps of faith with Isaac because not only that he, God promised him a son, but at some point in the scripture we see that he was supposed to sacrifice his son based on being obedient faith to God. We also know that another thing that we learn from Abraham's life is that that faith that he had, it was not hereditary. Matthew 3.9, Luke 3.8, John 8.39 tells us it is not enough to be physically descendant from Abraham to be saved. Just because your parents are saved, your grandparents are saved, or your brother's saved doesn't save you. Doesn't save you. You must make a personal decision to follow Jesus and surrender your life to him and ask for forgiveness. And we also see that James uses the life of Abraham as an illustration that faith without works is dead, James 2.21 When God asked Abraham to leave his family home, he left. When God asked to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham rose up early that morning and went to do it. From what we can discern from the scriptures, biblical narrative that we see, there was no hesitation in Abraham's obedience. He had immediate obedience. Now, he wasn't perfect. He was a wicked man, but changed. And even as a wicked man who's changed, he wasn't always fully obedient. Quickly, in some cases, and made some really bad decisions with his wife regarding children. Do you remember that with Hagar? We still have the ramifications from that decision. But nowhere in the scripture does God hold that against Abraham. All of his past failings are never held against him. You know why? Last point. Do you know why it wasn't held against him? Because God forgave him. Forgiveness means not holding your past against another. You'll never forget. But you do not hold it against them That is what true forgiveness is. Oh, how many people say, oh, I forgive them. No, you don't, because you keep bringing it up and holding it against them. God didn't hold it against Abraham. He said, Abraham, let's move forward. Let's go do the things I've called you to do. Let's go do and fulfill the promises that you are. Are you willing to go? And Abraham said, send me. 